Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, February 16th, 2018, and today we're reading from the big book, and we are currently on page 27, uh, starting with the last paragraph, which starts upon hearing this, and we're going to read through three paragraphs, ending with a design for living that really works, and we're going to comment on all three. Today's readers are, we have Eve K on the 12 steps, and we have Proud Mary S on the 12 traditions, and the readers of the text, we've got Katie G and Lauren M and Janice M, waiting in the wings there. Uh, the reference number for yesterday, which was Thursday, February 15th, for the 7 a.m. meeting, that's 11052, 11052, and for the 10 a.m. meeting, 11054. 11054. The uh, OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating, and we welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, and that purpose is to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And at a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So now let me ask um, Eve K. If, um, if you'd be kind enough to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Eve. Hi, good morning. Apologizing in advance because I have the flu, but we'll get through this. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. <clears throat> Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Have a good day, everyone. Thanks, Eve. Hope you feel better. Hope you feel better. Okay, let me uh, let me ask. Hey, Mary S., would you be kind enough to read the 12 traditions? 
Yes, this is Mary S. from Stewart, Florida, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of, of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thanks so much, Mary. Okay, here's how this, this mess works. Um, this, this is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So we, we read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. And of course, anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we're, we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. And this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And we're sharing what the directions of the big book or in the big book mean to us. So if you'd like to share, just press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. And then of course, press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a, uh, uh, a quiet meeting, you know, we ask that everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. And so today we're going to resume our study of the big book. And we're, here's where we're at. Um, Katie's going to start reading from page 27, the last paragraph, which starts upon hearing this. And she's going to read through three paragraphs, which ends a design for living that really works. I think it does. And then we're going to comment on all three. So Hey, Katie. Good morning. Good, good morning, Larry. Good morning, my friends. This is Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic in Boston, Mass. Upon hearing this, our friend was somewhat relieved, for he reflected that, after all, he was a good church member. This hope, however, was destroyed by the doctors telling him 
that while his religious convictions were good, in very good, in his case, they did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience. Here was the terrible dilemma in which our friend found himself when he had the extraordinary experience, which, as we have already told you, made him a free man. We, in turn, sought the same escape with all the desperation of a drowning man. What seemed at first the flimsy reed has proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. A new life has been given us, or if you prefer, a design for living that really works. Awesome. I'm setting my timer. So what's the first thing we learn? Church isn't going to do it. Religion isn't going to do it. And that's not to say that church and religion is not amazing, right? But if I want to recover from my illness, from this life and death illness, I can't, it, church is not going to get to me. Um, it is, I have to have a solution that is going to break down my illness. Um, and when my uh, sponsor and I went through this, she taught me that this is my turn to live the life and experience the way God intended me to. And this isn't like I can just do it, I can take what I like and leave the rest and do it once in a while. What are we saying? I am seeking the escape to break free with the desperation of a drowning man. Like, I have no air. I'm drowning. I'm going to die. And it's, you know, in Boston they say program number one, family number two, job number three, because I have no life if I don't put this program first. Um, and slowly what happened to me, this flimsy read, this like slow God consciousness, all of a sudden started to become, as I demonstrated, like I have fear, what do I do? I move forward with my life anyway. I, I work the steps. I turn over the fear. And there's God, right? And so it's this new way of living. And I wasn't sure it was going to work for me. And if you're not sure, all I knew was that what I'd been doing, binging, purging, starving, living my life on self, it wasn't working, right? And you guys were so strong. The women and men in Big Book Step Study in Boston were so strong that I was like, you know what? What else am I going to do? So I practiced this design for living and it worked for me slowly because I'm going to tell you something I never knew how to live my life I didn't and that might sound crazy but I didn't know what to do from the time I got up in the morning to the time I went to bed and now I know I get up I get on my knees I take my time with God I practice entire abstinence no matter what and I work the steps and, you know, it says a design for living, which means I'm full of life and vigor. I'm on the firing lines. Like, it's not a design for hiding because I'm scared of what's going to happen. I don't have fear anymore. And when I do have fear, I have a design for living. I have a 10-step. I have God, getting back to God. You know, and, and that's the amazing thing. And, um, again, this isn't just, you know, doing what I want, throwing in the program when it works for me. This is first, foremost, no matter what in my life. And God willing, I'm going to keep showing up one more day shoulder to shoulder with all of you. It is a privilege. And with that, Can you guys hear me, by the way? Just want to make sure I can be heard. Yes. Ah, oh, good, good, yes, good, good. All right. Oh, thanks, you guys. Thanks.
I heard a little click there and I thought, oh, maybe I'm muted, but I'm not. All right, so we're going to transition into sharing. And, and again, Katie um, read from the bottom of page 27, the last paragraph. She read through three paragraphs. So who would like to uh, to share? Tina S. Barbara. Tina, Barbara. Rita K. Martha Rita, H. Ruth and Martha. Let's stop there. Um, here's, here's who I have. Here's who I have. Okay, so and I and I do apologize if I miss someone. Um, so it, it, I I heard Tina and I heard Barbara E and I heard Sue and uh, I think it was it Rita, I think Rita, and Ruth and Martha. Those are the people that I heard. So let's let's go with that. And I apologize if I missed you. Please don't be offended. Please don't. Okay, Tina. Good morning. Thanks so much, Larry. Uh, Tina has recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow, with some great stuff, you know. And you know, I really just have to, I preface this for myself um, that uh, we do not have a monopoly on God, you know. But the good news for me is somebody who was uh, once uh, once went to church and followed a religious program, then stopped coming into the rooms. Uh, for me, I was really grateful that the, the answer was not religion because I didn't find it there. Uh, and today, and it's not to say that I'm not spiritual and that I do at times go to church. It's just not where my answer was. And, and I'm glad that, that was talked about, you know, because when I got here, you know, my soul was sick, you know, and I was spiritually bankrupt, you know. So uh, somehow, some way that all that I had tried prior to coming to Overeaters Anonymous for me in the 12th that program didn't work, didn't work. And I was exhausted, you know, because the, the deal is if that stuff would have worked, then I, you know, I wouldn't need to be here. And um, so when I got here and I, and I read the, the big book and it told, talked about the program of action, the design for living that works, if I work it, now it, it, it won't work if I'm not doing the deal, that's for sure. And I'm so grateful. And, and, and I love the words that are used here. Bill, Bill's fabulous with his words and, um, and getting them across to somebody who is on the same same wavelength is you know we've seen what the uh, we in our turn sought the same escape with all the desperation of drowning men. What seemed at first a flimsy reed has proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God, and that's my experience too. Like was talked about when I came in here, I was like, oh, this God thing, I'm not quite sure. But over time and over communication and um, the relationship that I am cultivating with a power greater than myself, I choose to call my uh, my higher power God through the process of the steps and the spiritual awakening that I have today, which is a journey that I am continually on, and I'm so grateful for that. That'll pass. Thanks. Hey, thanks so much, Tina. Okay, we have Barbara followed by Sue. Hey, yo, Barbara, how are you this morning? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I love your spirit of humor. But this is a deadly disease, and I have it. I know in the deepest, innermost regions of my heart and my head that I have it. I came in 20 years ago, as most of you know by now, and I did get abstinence. I clawed my way up through the tools, those railings I heard about yesterday, uh, to get ab to get abstinent, to get thin yet again. But there was always this fear, this knot in my stomach. When would I lose it again? I'd lost it so many times before. 
I didn't even put my size 24 clothes away. I kept all the sizes from 2 to 24 dry cleaned in the inner closet, literally within a closet in my daughter's bedroom. That's how unsure I was. I realized about 11 years into the program that I needed a psychic change. I realized that for my own benefit, a moral change. I wasn't even unaware as it started to occur, but it did, and I was become, I did become transformed. And this transformation became evident to my friends and my family before it even occurred to me. And slowly the fear of losing it again disappeared, and I gave all those 12 sizes away to church group. I had to think about changing my primary social instincts of life, self-esteem, when I think of myself, positive self-love versus negative self-hate. In my personal relations with human beings and others, I had to be other-centered, not me, me, me-centered. My ambitions and my goals for the future to gain self-esteem and personal relationships to be liked and accepted. I had to accept that people will like me or not like me. It's up to me to just be the best I can be on a daily basis. I had to get rid of feelings of bitter hurt or indignation, which comes from being rightly or wrongly treated in my mind. I had to remove my fear of losing financial uh, things. I had to gain some kind of emotional security and realize that I did not have the right to edit other people's reality. Their reality was theirs and mine was mine. And I had to remove my fears and become more God-reliant. I did this slowly over time by working the steps with the step sponsor who guided me lovingly but firmly and perhaps not even gently, to accept that I needed this absolute moral change because without it, that disease could come back at any time. My main reason for a belief in a higher power is to free myself from the obsession that I'll get that again, uh, accept that serving others is important to my recovery, and most of all, accept that there is a God and it isn't me and it isn't my refrigerator and that all of us deep down know there's some kind of God or universal spirit or just loving goodness inside all of us. I am powerless over this disease. No matter how hard I try, I can't do this without a higher power. I know and believe now in my heart that God will help me if I turn my will and my life over to him and do whatever my higher power wills me to do and be of service. Give, give, give. Because if I don't give it away, I won't be able to keep it. And that's how I personally have changed over years from being a tools-oriented person to being a step-oriented person, working with others, day by day, 
minute by minute. It's a gift. Thank you so much. I pass everyone. Thanks, Barbara. Okay, we have uh, Sue, Sue Studio, followed by Rita. Sue, good morning. Good morning. This is Sue G from Michigan, recovered by the grace of God. Um, I'm going to make a comparison here because they're bringing up religion. And I brought, I was brought up with religion. You can, I was told that you can sit in a church, you can sit in a pew, but it doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is not your membership. Like, I'm a member of Compulsive Overeaters, of, of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, but I am, what makes you a Christian is believing in Christ. And you might even carry a Bible around with you. But if you don't read it for the purpose of change and becoming more like Christ, you're not really a Christian. Now, if I'm going around carrying the big book, which I used to do because I was doing my homework wherever I went, um, just carrying the book and going to meetings and sitting in the pew, sitting in my at the table, listening to meetings, does not make me recovered. Uh, it is reading the book with the intention of becoming like what the book teaches. It's following the principles of the steps and becoming uh, and having more of a spiritual relationship with my God, not just being a member of of OA. And um, I shared yesterday how I used used to confuse me because I thought, well, you know, I'm part of a church, I'm religious, just like the reading was yesterday. And why can't I? I still can't put the food down for good. And um, it's because I was going around being a Bible thumper, being a big book thumper, but not doing what it said and not becoming more like what the book taught. And uh, so that's. That's my take on, on comparing the two because um, that's why he said, you know, you, you can go to church and you can sit in a pew, but it doesn't make you a Christian. I can go to meetings, sit in, sit in my chair. doesn't make me recovered. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Sue. Okay, we have Rita followed by Ruth. Hey, Rita, good morning. Good morning, Larry. My name is Rita Kay, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Kansas. And this paragraph just, it just grabbed me. You know, this whole story does anyway. But um, I can remember coming into the rooms years ago and hearing the God talk and thinking, oh, I got this, you know, because that's what I was raised in. And I was raised in, in a, in, and this is not to bash anybody else's, but I was raised in a church that was pretty, that was very punitive in nature, you know, that, they had a list of rules, and if you break one rule, then you're out of you're out of goods with God, so to speak. You know, and so I translated that to the rooms, you know, because you know, because that's what any type of God talk meant, and I didn't really know what spirituality was, and so my hunt for recovery, so to speak, in the rooms, you know, uh, translated to to going to the to the groups that for me 
were punitive in nature, you know, that for me had the list of rules and this is what you do and this is the way you eat and this is what you follow. And once you once you drop one green bean, then you're off, you know. And, and so, and, and I went through that for years, you know, running from group to group, trying to find, you know, the goods, so to speak. And until I, I really think that for me, I'm one of those people that the spiritual experience, you know, really did kind of have to take a long time, because I feel like I am, I am more vital. I have more life now spiritually than I ever have, and I'm still involved in a church, in a religion, not the one I grew up in. But that doesn't, that doesn't really translate to spirituality to me. You know, and so it's so much more, and I am so much more able to allow someone else to grow and be what they are meant to be. And I wasn't, that wasn't where I was at the beginning. So when he said that upon hearing that, he he thought that, all right, I'm good, I got this. But the doctor, you know, he, 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 he made it real to him that, you know, this is a spiritual experience. It's like It's a growing thing that we have to go through. And some of us will take a little bit longer than others. And so, you know, my involvement has taken longer. But but you know what? I'm grateful today for where I am with this, you know, for the relationship that I do have with my higher power and the way I am able to hear things and feel things and sense things and, and really appreciate those of you on this line who are sharing your growth, you know, and I just, wow, I just wanted to share that. And, and as I see his growth in this story, reading it time and time again, I am really appreciating my own. And with that, I pass. Thanks for letting me share. Uh, thanks, Rita. Okay, we got baby Ruth followed by Martha. Ruth, good morning. Thank you, Larry. Yes, this is baby Ruth. I wish I was, um, <laughs> I could qualify in that stage of life, but I'm kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum here. But regardless, um, I appreciate um, your service and I'm so grateful to be on this line. So grateful to be a recovered compulsive overeater. And I haven't started my timer, but I'll do so now. Um, and know that I'm already well, well into it. Um, I could absolutely identify in um, to these, these paragraphs um, because I was a good church member, um, was being the, um, the, the highlight of that phrase. You know, as others have shared, the, the God of my youth was much, very much a disciplinarian. Um, I was sent to confession as a punishment many times, more times than I'd like to admit to. And I saw his representatives, I guess you'd call them, on earth, um, 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 they, they seemed to be much more concerned with the length of my uniform than they were about the hurting girl who, who was inside it. Um, so I turned away easily and quickly from God when I didn't get what I wanted. Um, you know, the selfishness was very um, evident very early on uh, when he didn't cure my sister's cancer, when he didn't make me thin, even though I wanted to continue eating my binge foods. Um, but what I've come to learn now is that he was still there, always waiting for me, waiting for me to hit, um, how did this par paragraph call it, the desperation of a drowning man. Um, waiting until I was, was finally ready um, and willing to give up on my human power and accept that I was powerless and that I needed him and um, God, as I choose to call my higher power, to recover me. And um, um, that's what I found in this program. You know, I'm just 
again, so grateful today, as always, because this program gave me back um, the belief that I didn't and couldn't control anyone or anything in life. And it's not just about the food, um, but it certainly took putting um, that food down, working with a recovered sponsor, and working those steps you know, to the best of my ability, the hard, hard work of it each and every day. But it is so worth it, um, you know, just as it also talks about this new life, this big, beautiful life that I'm now able to build because of recovery is, is uh, just, there's just no comparison to what life is like now, even at this age, even though I'm not that baby anymore. And um, um, on that, I'll pass again with just gratitude to all of you in this program. And thank you so much for letting me share. Thanks so much, Ruth. Okay, Martha, you're up. Now batting, Martha. Yes, good morning. Thank you, good Larry, morning. for your service. This is Martha. Can you hear me? I can. You're coming through great. Thank you so much. Martha S., a recovered compulsive eater in upstate New York. Glad to be here. So I was not raised in our, our religion, and I came into OA and big book meetings four years ago as an agnostic. And um, even though I felt powerless over food and I realized I was powerless, step one, I still bristled at the references to God and spiritual experience. But I was willing to work through the steps with my big book sponsor because I wanted what the recovered people had in, in my face-to-face meetings. I was fortunate to have strong big book meetings in my city here in upstate New York. And I was willing to work through the steps to have the vital spiritual experience. For me, I had to experience the steps. I couldn't have a spiritual experience in step three like Bill W. had. I had the lower educational variety they talk about in the appendix, uh, spiritual experience, I think it's called. And I had to work through step nine to really have an experience of a connection with a higher power. And then I have to, I've had to, and I have to continue to every day, live in steps 10, 11, and 12, doing the actions, certain actions every day that help keep me connected to my higher power. Um, page 28, I do feel like I'm a free woman. I can go anywhere, do anything. I don't have to avoid certain foods. I know what my my red light ingredients are for me. I know what triggers the allergy of the body for me. My sponsor helped me identify those red light ingredients. And I know what to avoid, and I um, <clears throat> I can go anywhere and do anything as a free woman uh, around any food, any any type of occasion. And I and the steps and the program and my higher power and the tools and the fellowship, they all help me um, live a life of sane and happy usefulness, one day at a time. So it's a design for living that is really important. To me, it helps me be more helpful to other people, and um, that's why I'm willing to do the action and work every every single day, because it's a design for living that really works and feels really good for me, and it feels really good to be helpful, more helpful to others than I could ever be if I was back into the food. And the last thing, if I have time, is um, the desperation. 
Um, honestly, I didn't feel as if I was drowning, but I did feel desperate because I couldn't keep certain food down. I kept, I kept getting into the food. I was powerless. There was, I couldn't reason my way out of it. I couldn't figure out why I was powerless. You know, I didn't get to be 300 pounds in, in for myself without being a compulsive eater. And so I was powerless over certain foods, and and I still am powerless over food. And I can't manage my own life without the help of a higher power. Um, I can't rely on myself to figure everything out. So I was desperate, and that's what made me willing to work with a sponsor and work through the steps so I could have that experience, a vital spiritual experience. Thank you for letting me share. Have a wonderful day. I'll pass. Thanks, Martha. Okay, we're, if you're getting on the line, um, or if you got on the line late, we're at the bottom of page 27 in the big book, and Katie read through three paragraphs. We're commenting on all three. So we're going to limit it to just those who have a pulse. So if you have a pulse and you want to share, let me know. Nessa R. Nessa. Mon- Monica O. Monica B. Melissa Leia M. Let's limit it there. Okay, let me tell you who I have, and I apologize. I'm practicing patience and tolerance this morning. I got Nessa, I got Monica, Vasa, Janice, Leah M., and Melissa. Nessa, oh, Nessa, good morning. Hi, thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Nessa R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, it's so interesting that everybody's sh- um, sharing on the topic of, uh, of religion. It's, I mean, it's not surprising, I guess. Uh, it's a very hot topic. I, um, that's what I want to share on as well. You know, I, I thought that this program would be a cinch for me because I came in um, already believing in God. And not only I believed in God, I believed that God is a, a kind God, a loving God, a benevolent God who who wants the best for me and the best for everybody else. But um, it wasn't easy for me. Um, and then I discovered as I went through the steps that the problem was not my my belief or or what I believe about God, but how I related to God, how I related to God. You know, I related to God in a very childish way. Um, you know, I, um, instead of, uh, I would, I guess, <clears throat> instead of saying, God, what do you want? I would say, God, this is what I want. Um, I would say, God, this is my will, but is my will, go do it. Instead of God, what is your will? And I will do it. Instead of asking, um, uh, uh what do you need from me? God, it's, this is what I need. And of course, Whenever I didn't need, get what I needed or what I wanted, when God didn't obey my orders, I turned into I turned to a different God, the God of food, you know, to help me deal with not getting in my way. Um, but you know, the uh, these steps are just um, uh, miraculous in the way they can transform um, a person. Because after going through the steps, I no longer relate to God in that way. It's not about what I want or what I need or what my will is or, you know, how things are not right and not fair or how I'm hard done by and yada, yada, yada. It's about, it's about me doing what God expects from me. And when things don't go my way, then I no longer have to resort to food. I no longer have to compulsively overeat to get through life because now... 
I know how to relate to God. Most of the time, you know, it's not perfect. I mean, the book does say uh, we claim spiritual progress, not spiritual perfections. But, you know, there's a mechanism to correct things when I, when I do botch them. But now that I can relate to God um, in the correct way, putting him up front and center instead of me being up front and center, I don't have to compulsively overeat to deal with difficulties, with challenges, with adversities, or even with minor things that just things don't go my way. And it's like such a much better way to, to live because I'm not in a constant collision course with everything and everyone. Quite the opposite. Uh, quite the opposite. Um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful life now. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Nessa. Okay, we have Harmonica followed by Vasa. Hey, Monica, good morning. Hey, good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So here we are in There is a Solution, and we're reading about Roland Hazard. He spent a whole year with Dr. Young, sober. He gets on the boat to come back to U.S. of A., gets drunk, and he goes back and says, help, Uh, what is wrong with me? And Dr. Uh, Young has says, well, you need a spiritual experience. And um, so upon hearing this, our friend was somewhat relieved, for he reflected that, after all, he was a good church member. Roland was a member of the Oxford group. This hope, however, was destroyed by the doctors telling him that while his religious convictions were very good, in his case, they did not spell the necessary, vital, necessary, spiritual experience he had more to learn something was missing and i think on page 93 in working with others the second paragraph we're given a clue here as to what that is that might be missing he may be an example of the truth that faith alone is insufficient to be vital faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice an unselfish, constructive action. And then it goes on to say here, it's working with others. Let him see that you're not there to instruct him in religion, but call to his attention the fact that however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it or he would not drink. You know, this is quite a dilemma for very, very religious people who are still eating. Why? And I had those same thoughts too. Why? I'm religious. Anyway, um, so... Roland obviously goes back to the States and he does get involved with the Oxford group and he gets sober. And Roland is the one who saves Ebby. And Ebby is the one who saves Bill. And here we are today. And then on 28, we sought the same escape with all the desperation of a drowning man. What seemed at first a flimsy reed. What's a flimsy reed? Flimsy. Thin weak a reed it's hollow grass you know there's not not much of a big hole there but when i'm underwater and i'm trying and i can't breathe i'm going to grab this little flimsy reed and i'm going to hopefully just start using it by working the steps and as a process of working the steps it's going to be proved to me that there is a loving and powerful hand there is a power greater than me when i look back over my shoulder i can't deny it There's a power that has been helping me where. And we have a design for living. What is that? It's trust God, clean house, help others. That's the steps. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Monica. Okay, we got Vasa followed by Janice. 
Vasa, it's your yes. turn. Thank you. I'm here. Good morning, Larry and everyone. Thank you for your service, Larry. And I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater calling from Florida. And this is a really good reading. And uh, I'm just so, so grateful that when I came to the programs, I heard this was a spiritual program. It was not a religious. I don't think I would have gone back if it was a religion. And anyways, I, you know, part of it had to do because I grew up in a communist country. I was there for 15 years of my life, pretty much, yeah. And uh, we were thought there was no God. And then I also went to church at times, not that, not that often. But we really weren't, we weren't thought much about religion. Go to church, receive communion, whatever they give, and you go home. I did not have a relationship with God until I came to the program. And I thank God, my higher power. I thank God. I mean, I got every single day for, for bringing me to Overeaters Anonymous. And uh, I don't think I would have been able to get, you know, this help with the food addiction in the church. Uh, I, would, I know I wouldn't have, you know. So what I have received, I've gotten it right here uh, in, in the big book. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and prayer without the works is nothing. I mean, I can be praying to God all day long. If I don't do the work, it's going to be useless, you know. And I have, I have been with pe- I thought religious people that read the Bible, whatever religion they are, they know it, they memorized everything, they, they know it all, you know. And I was thinking, why are they struggling when they, you know, I remember I was working with this woman, I mean, she memorized her Bible. She knew everything. And I'm saying, why she then, you know? And then I pointed this out to her, this paragraph here. I'm not going to read it. It's the church members, you know? And some of them are not allowed to go in the 12 steps because it's against the rules. It's against the rules, you know? And then I remember a woman really struggling, you know, and finally she came back to the 12 steps after, after a year or two and because it wasn't working. You know, I think religion is good. After I, you know, after I do my steps, you know, I've gone back to, I've gone back to church. It's not my own church that I've gone. I've gone to a different one. And I've heard the even pastor one time struggling with the food. And my friend and I have been in OA for many years. After church, we went and told him, you know, you know what we have been doing. And he just laughed at us, you know. He didn't understand. They don't have any understanding unless if they have the same, unless if they go through the same thing that we are going through. I am going. I shouldn't say they are or you are or whoever, you know. So for me, I needed to, I'm going to wrap it up. I needed to get before I can give it away out there. I'm just so grateful. So God is there for me, not with just the food, with everything in my life, depending and relying on God, not just for the food. I've learned to do it with everything, and I'm so, so grateful, and I pass. Thanks, Vasa. Okay, we have Janice followed by Leah M. My favorite New England patriot, Janice. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you, Larry, and everyone. <clears throat> My name is Janice PM, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. 
yeah, you know, I thought I was pretty <laughs> unique when I first came in. I thought, mm, I have religion. I'm all set. But, of course, you know, knowing now after many decades in the program that, you know, my religion, uh, which I love, um, but it did not give me my spiritual awakening that I have today. You know, I thought when I first came in, too, that, um, you know, uh, oh, my train of thought, I thought that, um, oh, yeah, I know I'm powerless over food, and, you know, my my life is really not that unmanageable, but did, but I'd found out that my life was unmanageable by me. I always add that at the end and uh, how true it was because I was the designer. I love that, design for living. Uh, first of all, it, you know, I guess I wasn't that desperate because I was always negotiating, always negotiating. And when I was negotiating, you know, I wasn't drowning. I mean, if I was drowning, you know, I would I wouldn't care what what color the the wrap the uh, life jacket was. It was blue, or, but I was wanted a pink one or whatever this a better sponsor. So I wasn't really desperate. That's how I can tell, you know. But you know, I was the designer of my life. You know what a designer is? A designer plans whether it's a um, you know a home or a picture. That's a designer. They have an aim. They have a purpose. And that was me. I was the designer of the way that I lived. However, the plan was my plan, and it didn't work, believe you me, and I tried for decades. Um, so now, now I have a different designer. You can call that designer whatever you want, you know, but that's the purpose, to have that personal relationship with that designer. You know, um, because each individual, you don't have to use my higher power. You can get your own. That's the purpose. Uh, through your personal story, describe in your own language, whatever word you want to use for higher power, you know, from your own point of view. But the plan that I'm using today for living is the plan from a designer. And I believe it was divinely inspired, these 12 steps. So that's the plan that I live by today. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thanks, Janice. Leah, you can take the girl out of Minnesota, but you can't take Minnesota out of the girl. Good morning. You betcha. You betcha. Thank you very much, Larry, uh, for your service. We, in our turn, sought the same escape with all the desperation of drowning men. Uh, you know, God came in through my wounds. I was a bloody, uh, broken shell of a human being. Uh, I knew going into this process that my life was on the line. I knew going in that I was at the last house on the block. Um, there were only two doors for me. There was no door number three. I didn't even know where I was headed because I didn't even know that a place like this existed. Um, however, you know, on the one side... I had my experience of two decades of madness and mayhem, a chronic progressive disease of compulsive overeating that had only wrapped its talons around my neck tighter and tighter and tighter through the years. And on the other side, I had living proof, people who had recovered from a seemingly hopeless condition of mind and body. I took a leap. I didn't even know where I was going, <laughs> having no idea what to expect. 
in spite of my own very crippled, ignorant uh, belief system, uh, in spite of my own experience um, with, you know, there, there were uh, times where I acquired religious, some religious ideas or some uh, spiritual ideas, but my book taught me the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against that first drink or, for me, the first bite. It wasn't effective for me. I didn't have the effect, the ease and comfort that I so desperately needed. Food apparently was the glue that was holding my life together for a long time. But the process of the steps wasn't merely information that I was gaining. It wasn't an intellectual exercise. It was a transformative experience. It says a new life has been given us. Uh, the program doesn't just enhance my life. The program is my life. Much like oxygen doesn't enhance my life, oxygen is my life. The 12 steps were a specific method for producing a personal transformation in me, a rearrangement. Uh, the results were disproportionate to my efforts, yes, yet certainly my responsibility to my recovery and my efforts were required to grow, sustain, and continue to enlarge it. So these people in whom the problem had been solved, they continued to teach me that there was a solution for someone like me. And it wasn't going to be material, and it wasn't going to be physical, and it wasn't going to be human. It was going to be in the fourth dimension beyond materiality. It was going to be in the world of the spirit. How to get there? The 12 steps. How to stay there? The 12 steps. And I'm so very grateful for that. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Hey, Melissa, good morning. Hi, good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater. And when you said if I had a pulse, then I was like, okay, I, I certainly qualify. Um, my heart is beating this morning. That's good news. And, um, you know, so what jumps out at me is um, the difference between a conviction, you know, a, a belief and experience. Because I had, like, tons of convictions. And, um, you know, whether they were religious or anti-religious, um, and they were that, that icy intellectual mountain that blocked me um, from having any kind of power, any kind of connection with the power. And um, what I needed was experience. And I did not have an um, open mind with God. In fact, I had a very closed mind when it came to God. And um, thank thankfully, this book is available if your mind is closed to God, too. You know, um, there's enough... Uh, Synonyms, you know, in the big book that if the word God offends you, um, don't worry. You know, choose another, choose another conception. And, um, you know, so this living with really certain. Hey, Melissa, it sounds like you're going through the tunnel. I'm no, so sorry. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. I can hear you now. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, so, um, you know, I had a design for my life. You know, I had a notion of how my life should go, and um, and damn it if it didn't fit. And, 
you know, that's not the experiential solution. You know, today it's, um, I can have all the convictions of the world, um, but I actually have to live it. I have to live and experience life and reset my sails to the way that my life unfolds. That's the design for living that works. And, um, you know, with that, I don't have to eat compulsively anymore. That's the good news. You know, all my beliefs, all the things that I held dear to me, um, the more I let them go and actually experience life as it is, the freer I am. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa. All right, I'm going to pick me, pick me. Okay, Larry, go ahead. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to chime in briefly. You know, the, um, the steps, there's a, the, there's a definite um, pattern and, uh, to, to these steps. You know, how do we get the spiritual awakening? How do we get this personality change that, that everyone's talked about? Well, someone gave me uh, the shorthand um, of the steps way back when, and it was helpful to me. So I don't know, maybe it'll be helpful to you, and maybe you've heard it before. But there's a process here. When we work the steps, steps one, two, and three get us right with our notion of God. Steps four through seven get us right with ourselves. Steps eight and nine get us right with others. And then and steps 10, 11, and 12 keep us right with God, with ourselves, and with others. And, you know, that's the, the, you know, sometimes we talk about working the steps, and I know Kim spoke yesterday eloquently about this. Um, you know, what, what are the steps? And they're found in the big book, and the chapters are laid out very specifically to build in the first two steps, we, we, we draw conclusions of the mind. It's real easy, real quick, right? We draw conclusions of the mind and the doctor's opinion and the early chapters support us in that. And, and how it works, the chapter how it works, we, we make an affirmative declaration that based on the problem in step one and the solution in step two, we're just going to move on with the rest of the steps. Now, we can make it more complex if we want to, but we don't need to. That's how I turned my will and my life over to some God that I wasn't even sure existed or that I believed in, was by moving on with the action steps in four through nine. And when you do that, regardless, the steps don't give a crap what I think about them. Just that I do them. And if I do them, the great mystery of this program is, for anyone who's, who's crossed over the bridge to freedom, the great mystery is what's going to happen. Because this is an experiential program. It's not for you on the sidelines that you have to kind of wait around, feel better first, and then go at it. No, you're going to feel like crap, as I did, perhaps. And you're going to embark on the steps anyway. And you're going to put your food down 100%. And if you're not sure of, about that and what the, substances is, uh, what the substances are and have you put it down, obviously we need some help with that. Okay, but once we do, we put our syringe down, we put our alcohol down, we put our binge substances down, and we embark on the steps and we watch the process unfold. I did not effectuate a spiritual awakening. I just pulled out an ax and began to chop the wood and see if the tree falls, see, see what happens. God's in charge of what happens. I'm going to row my boat. Row, row, row my boat, right? And then see what happens. And it does take courage to do that. But if you do that, watch what happens. Test, your, test this notion of a higher power and see what happens. So with that, I pass. And I want to um, thank everyone for, for joining us this morning and everyone that makes this meeting possible. Um, 
Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Let me give you the share ID for today, uh, Friday, February 16th, the uh, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. It's 11056. That's 11056. And now we're going to close with the reading from the big book on page 164. And the magnificent Lauren is going to read it for us. Right, Lauren? Good morning. Take two. And the wonderful Lauren. Sorry, Larry, I'm here. <laughs> there you are. I'm here. Good morning. Uh, um, good morning, all. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize now we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and you will and join us. You, we shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until 